you would turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 13, found on page 1037, Luke 13, we're going to start at verse 6. Luke 13, starting at verse 6. And he told this parable. A man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard, and he came seeking fruit on it and found none. And he said to the vine dresser, Look, for three years now I have come seeking fruit on this fig tree, and I find none. Cut it down. Why should it use up the ground? And he answered him, Sir, let it alone. This year also, until I dig around it and put on some manure, then if it should bear fruit next year, well and good, but if not, you can cut it down. Once a man attended a fair and, and saw another man leading a, a, a fine-looking horse around the fairgrounds. He inquired, is that a saddle horse? And the owner of the horse replied, no, sir. Anyone that jumps on his back, this horse will buck right off. And so the man said, well, does he pull a cart? No, he doesn't do that either, the man said. If you put a cart behind him, he'll, he'll turn it into a kindling wood. He just doesn't like anything being pulled behind him. So the man says, well, why then do you keep him? Can you pull a plow with him? I mean, what do you use him for? And the owner said, what do I keep him for? Just look at him. This is the finest looking horse you'll ever lay eyes on. He's, he's picture perfect. A few weeks later, the same man was visiting a church in a nearby community. It was an incredible building with a good-sized congregation, lots of children. Afterwards, the man went up to the pastor and complimented him on, on everything that he saw. He says, wow, it must be nice to have all those people to help you with your duties of the church. With a congregation like this, I'm sure you have all kinds of programs reaching out to the community. He says, how many different ministries do you have? And the preacher sadly shook his head. And he says, actually, there's really nothing going on here during the week. And the man says, there's nothing going on. He goes, no, people mainly come here to worship. Afterwards, the man said to himself, there's that horse again. Looks mighty fine, but what's it good for? Sadly, I think there's a lot of churches that could actually fit that description. These, ch- these churches are filled with folks that look like Christians, sound like Christians, they dress like Christians, they're picture perfect, so to speak, but they've forgotten their purpose. They've forgotten why God has placed them where he has. Rick Warren, in his book, The Purpose Driven Life, If you've never read that, it's a great book. Also, there's another one he wrote after it called The Purpose Driven Church, which is an interesting read as well. And this is what he says, It's not about you. The purpose of your life is far greater than your own personal fulfillment, your peace of mind, or even your happiness. It's far greater than your family, your career, or even your wildest dreams and ambitions. If you want to know why you were placed on this planet, 
You need to begin with God. What about you? Does your life ever put a smile on the face of God? Does your life put a smile on God's face? Are you living for his honor and glory? Ephesians 2.10 says that we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. That means each of us, we were created for a purpose. And so the question is, do you know what that purpose is? Our parable this morning has something to teach us about living our lives on, on purpose for God. Parables, you might remember, are earthly stories that have a heavenly or, or, or I could, you could say a divine meaning. In this parable, as well as, as the others, you've got to get beyond how it appears, and you've got to do a little digging and, and find what's underneath. I, I find parables are often like an onion. You've got to do a little peeling. And sometimes there's multiple layers to a parable and multiple meanings. And it's, it's interesting when you take the time to really hear what God has to say. Now in the parable of the fig tree that Jesus told, the fig tree wasn't there by accident. It wasn't growing wild somewhere and a man just went along one day and saw it and claimed it and said, oh, you're mine. No, this man intentionally planted this tree, in the plot of ground that he owned, with one purpose in mind, and that was he wanted figs. As was the custom back then, vineyards normally had a wall around them to keep the, the critters out. He also had a gardener. He hired a gardener um, who, who cared for all the trees, the, the vineyard. He uh, watered them. He uh, fertilized them. He dug up the ground, all so that these trees would produce the most figs that was possible. He did that so they could produce fruit. That's why God does it, so that we might produce fruit for his honor and glory. He loves us. He loves us incredibly. But he also has placed us here for a reason. And I think we forget that sometimes. Bible often depicts God's people as being like trees. A little earlier we looked at Jeremiah 17, which sounds a lot like uh, Psalm chapter 1, about how God intentionally planted us by streams of living water so that we might bear our fruit in its season. The, God's, God said, the Bible says God intentionally planted us next to the stream because he knew it would be the best place be the best place to grow and be healthy and, again, to produce lots of fruit. Because of God's care, the psalmist says that our leaves will not wither. Again, that will bear our fruit, no matter, no, matter what it, no matter when it is. So God gives us everything we need to grow. He gives us everything we need to be healthy. But again, he expects some, something from us. And that's that his disciples would, would bear much fruit. And that's you and I. What is the kind of fruit that, that we're called to bear, each one of us? Well, I think you could say the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. 
All of us imagine us being like trees with our branches hanging out, and on our branches are, are lots of fruit, the fruit of the Spirit, the fruit of our salvation, the fruit of righteousness, whatever you want to call it. And God wants us to bear that fruit. Not only does it, is it an indication that we're healthy, that we're in Christ, but it's also there to bless others so that they might come and rest under our shade, that they might experience God's love and grace and mercy and all those things through us, through our lives. But if we're not willing to do that, John 15 verse 2 says the Heavenly Father, He will cut them down or cut those branches off. Now having said that, I'm not in any way indicating that we're saved by works. We're not. We're saved by grace alone. But yet at the same time, our fruitfulness is a good indication if we are in Christ or not. Because if you're not bearing fruit, it really calls into question, do you know Christ? Are you even in His vineyard? Are you in the vine? That's exactly the problem with the fig tree in Jesus' parable. Despite the owner waiting three years for this fig tree to start bearing fruit, our text says that he continually found none. Now for a new tree, if you've ever planted a fruit tree, you you don't expect fruit that first year. You might get fortunate and see a couple. But the second year, you'll probably have a few more, and probably the third year, you'll start seeing more fruit. It'll start acting more like a the tree that it's supposed to be. But for a fig tree, it's a little bit different. Apparently the fruit comes first and then the leaves come afterwards. And, and usually if you find leaves on a fig tree, that's an indication that there's fruit if you just look a little bit closer. And so the owner expected this fig tree to bear fruit. But when he looked at it, even though the leaves were green, there was nothing. I'm always amazed after a big storm when there's lots of rain and lots of wind, all the trees that end up falling down, losing major branches. Some trees, even though they look green, they look healthy, all their bark is still in place, you would think that they would be able to withstand anything, and yet they surprise you sometimes. Suddenly you see them laying over on their side. Either something within them made them weak, maybe there was a rotten spot, or maybe the roots just didn't go down very deep. Whatever reason, though, the the tree eventually falls over or, or breaks, the top will break off. These trees are meant to stand, but because of, of issues from within, they're just unable to. Interesting... Uh, thing that uh, um, I heard this past week um, as I was uh, studying. Um, Again, how quickly the fruit grows on on those trees. Um, Oftentimes, even though the the, the fruit are fairly small um, and, and they're not fully developed yet, yet when you go to them, um, they can still keep you from dying. They, They can still nourish you. Um, God did something incredible with the fig tree. And I'm sure it saved a lot of people's lives over the years, especially in those hot desert regions. 
But if God came this morning and he inspected our branches, our trees, what would he find? Would he find you fruitful? Would he find you being a blessing to those around you? Or would he find you barren? Maybe green and leafy, but no fruit at all. What kind of return is God getting from the investment that he's made in you? Now the owner had every right to cut the fig tree down for its lack of fruitfulness. And while God has the right to do the same to us, he also has the right to extend mercy and grace. And that's what we find in our our text. Even though he had the right to cut that tree down and and demand it because of uh, the gardener asking him to wait one more year, he's willing to do that. And the gardener, in the meantime, promises that he's going to do everything in his power to make that fig tree produce fruit. He's going to water it. He's going to put manure on it. He's going to till the ground around it so it's not hard, so that it can soak up the water. We're not really told what exactly happens, but the way this whole uh, parable goes, it kind of expects a negative answer, that that wasn't going to solve it as well. And the reason it wouldn't solve it is because, like I said a minute ago, sometimes we see those trees that look so healthy and they fall over because there's something happening inside them. It's the same with us. And that thing that's happening within us, it's called sin. And the Bible says the wages of sin is death. And so unless Christ comes and revives us and renews us and fills us with his spirit, we can't remain healthy we're unable to bear fruit because we need Christ to begin that good work within us. Listen to how Paul puts it in Romans 7. After he talks about the struggle he's having with sin, he says, for what I want to do, I do not do, but what I hate, that's what I end up doing. Well, we can all nod our heads with that one. That's a struggle we all go through. But then he goes on in verse 18, I know that nothing good lives in me, That is my sinful nature, for I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. That means without Christ's help, without the working of the Holy Spirit, we're going to remain fruitless. This morning as God looks at you, and he looks at the branches of your life, again, what does he see? Is he pleased with your fruitfulness? Is he pleased with your life? Or is he ready to cut you down? Or maybe there's some fruit, but because you're not willing to live for him, you're not willing to put him first, is he going to ask someone else to do what he would have liked you to do? And so that other person receives the blessing of being in God's will. And you miss out because of your unwillingness bear the fruit of righteousness. Jesus says there's nothing as useless as an unfruitful fruit tree. It's useless. It it defeats the whole purpose of why it's there. It's there to bless, to bear fruit, to give shade. Jesus would say, yeah, it's the same with salt. Salt will lose its flavor when it's thrown on the ground. It's worthless. Yeast If it's not alive, what what good is it? 
it's worthless. Or a lamp, if it's hidden underneath a, a bushel, what good is that lamp? If no one can see it, if it's not blessing those around it. To be alive in Christ is to be fruitful. And when you fail to produce fruit, despite Christ nourishing and blessing us and bestowing us with so much, again, it really calls into question if you know him. And our parable is clear that in the end, if you don't know him, he's going to cut you down and throw you into the fire. But thankfully, our God is patient. Just as he was patient in the days of Noah, and he waited for the ark to be completed before judgment fell upon the earth, so he waits for you. I'm so thankful that we serve a God of love and grace and mercy, who doesn't treat us as our sins deserve. Even though God's righteousness and justice, it it cries out that our sins be punished, Yet God's mercy and love cries out that he wait. But our story, our parable is clear. He's not going to wait forever. He's not going to wait forever. And so you need to learn the lesson of the fig tree. I remember many years ago now, I was probably a kid, but I can still remember the front cover of a National Geographic as it was uh, talking about the, uh, um, the eruption there so many years ago in Pompeii. The explosion of Mount Vesuvius, thank you, was so sudden the residents were killed instantly. Not only did the ash suffocate people, but the hot gas that blew down from the mountain, it just ended life just like that. They found people in their, their bathtubs, they found people in bed, they found people just laying on the floor, they found pets and animals just dead, laying there, all because of that eruption. It takes little imagination to, to imagine yourself there and the panic that must have filled that town when they knew that this was it, that there was nothing they could do to escape. The saddest part about it is these people, they didn't have to die. Scientists can confirm from uh, ancient Roman writings that before this calamity, there were weeks of rumblings and shakings. Weeks of it, where walls actually fell down. Even an ominous plume of smoke was clearly visible from the mountain for days before the eruption. Everything about that mountain was saying, I'm about to blow. And yet the people didn't do anything. They didn't heed the warnings. They just kept living their lives as they always had. You know, there's similar rumblings in our world today. There's warfare and earthquakes and hurricanes and tornadoes and economic woes and breakdown of the family, moral standards. So much going on that that reminds us that the end is drawing near, that Jesus is coming again. Will you be prepared? Are you living for the glory of God? Or are you, have you forgotten why you're here? Why He placed you on this earth? What can you do if you're not seeing much fruit in your life? 
or you're not seeing much fruit on the branches of your life. There's a lot of places we could turn to in Scripture, but seeing the the theme that we have this morning, let me just choose a verse from Psalm 1. David says, Don't walk in the counsel of the ungodly, or stand in the way of sinners, or sit in the seat of mockers, but delight yourself in the law of the Lord. Now, when you read that, delight yourself in the law of the Lord, is he saying, well, you should sit around all day reading the law? Well, no, that's not practical. We have things to do. We have families. But what it is saying is that the word becomes so important to you that it's going to influence everything you do and say. It's going to influence your life. And then we can be fruitful. See, Christ needs to satisfy that emptiness within us. Christ needs to satisfy us with the the manna from heaven. He needs to satisfy our thirst with the living water. And when Christ becomes our all in all, when He's the one that we look to to satisfy us, fill our desires, that's when we can become fruitful and grow. This morning, are you like a tree planted by streams of living water with roots that go down deep? Or are your roots shallow? Kind of like the tumbleweeds we used to have out west. They break off when it gets dry and there they start rolling. And they find each other and they roll together. I even had one one time, a big bunch of them rolling across the road, got caught underneath my truck and almost started on fire, on fire because it got caught in my exhaust. They're, they're really a pain. They really are. And the way they heap up, and they burn just like that. You put a match to them, and they're, they're gone in an instant. Are you going to be fruitful for the Lord? Are you going to be a tumbleweed that goes wherever the wind blows it? Often, the wind taking it places tumbleweed really didn't want to go. parable of the fig tree, it warns that the storm of judgment is coming and we need to be ready. But take comfort in knowing that this is still the day of salvation and there is safety and blessing when you're near to the heart of God. There's blessing and safety there when we stick right next to the Lord and we make Him our first love. I pray that you and I might be faithful in bearing the fruit of salvation for the glory and honor of our God. Let's pray. Lord, you are a refuge and and fortress, the God in whom we trust. Thank you, Lord, for your faithfulness and love, for never giving up on us. We pray that the fruit of the Spirit will fill our branches and refresh those that you bring into our lives. Lord, Lord Jesus, be glorified in our lives. We ask this in Christ's name. Amen. Let's stand and sing.